0: The people of the internet want what what I have to offer. So, that, that was that. A, people a cool, of the internet, oh, yeah. come
1: by. <laughs>
2: that brilliant. was a cool revelation. Exactly.
0: There's me. the
1: open. <laughs> we need to be doing that. A podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. Though we make no promises, we'll stick to those topics each episode. I'm Jonah Ballo.
2: I'm Keith Steckler. And on this podcast, we'll often focus on the sports content and creative we see and like and share between the three of us.
3: We need to be doing that. I'm Elliot
2: Gerrard.
1: These are the discussions we have most days in person or group text, now with the microphones on and recording.
2: We've known each other since 2009. We have experience in ad agencies and marketing, digital content across teams in the NBA, and creative for brands, teams, and athletes.
3: Come on, we need to be doing that.
2: So a few weeks ago, uh, Elliot, Jonah, myself, we're on Michelle and Steve's podcast, Podcast for Creatives. And that conversation, I think at the end of that, the three of us were texting each other like, yo, we got to do this thing. After talking to the both of them, it got this podcast off the ground. So we felt it was a perfect time to bring these two in, Um, not only as our first guest on the podcast, so congratulations, but also felt like we had a perfect topic for the both of you, which is the creative process. and Two parts to that, and I'm sure we'll take more than just two parts, but when do you know the idea is strong enough to take action on? And After you've been working on it for a while, when is it time to publish or when is it time to get it out? When is it time to put it into the world? So, let's get cranking welcome both of you we're so thrilled to have you and um if you could just because i think it'll be critical to the episode is for everyone to understand i know you both come together on the podcast but you both have very similar but different um careers so it would be helpful to uh let everyone know what you do so steve what do you do during the day when you're not talking to us at night
4: Uh, so I work for uh, a, uh, an employer called Capital Region BOCES. Um, they provide educational services to school districts uh, in and around the Capital Region, one of those being a public relations service. So I manage a team of public relations professionals, uh, but also have a uh, significant hand in our digital content uh, and creative Uh, departments, if you will. So it's kind of, uh, some school PR and, uh, mostly digital and social. And you've been doing that for a little while or? I have been there since I graduated college. I have been there since this, uh, 2007. Uh, this is, I can't really do math that well, but 13 or 14. (laughs) Been there for about 13 years now. It's been a good run. Um, had a chance to do a lot of great things and, um, it's always changing. Education is always changing, so it gives me a chance to kind of reinvent things. And uh, as as tech and industry grows, you know, it kind of morphs along with schools. So it's been uh, it's been a good ride so far.
2: Were were schools, in your opinion? I'm sure it differs, but were they prepared for everything that's been going on? I mean, h- how was e learning and all of these uh,
4: digital tools? I mean, are people catching up now, or we were somewhat prepared? Yes and no. I think I I don't think we were necessarily as prepared for the the amount of time that it's turned into that schools have ultimately been closed for. Um, I think the um, I think the foundation is there because there's a lot of um, you know communication that takes place between teachers and parents through electronics means. So obviously that communications. Tool, you know that platform is there, but in terms of of educating and teaching on a on a daily basis or even somewhat regular basis, um, no, I don't think that was quite there to begin with. And I think we've seen, uh, at least in our region, and I know it's certainly true around the state. I think we've seen teachers do you know yeoman's work to try to catch up and do the best they can. And I know a lot of this has also fallen to parents. But um, I think what it's allowed us to do. Um, is really kind of get a handle on, okay, so what if we don't go back in September? <laughs> um, what's this going to look like? And as much as you don't want to make this seem like a rough draft for what that that time period might look like, um, I certainly think there's been some lessons learned and um, I only think it gets better. And I think this is what we're going to start to see more of as, as, um, as the school year next year starts and into the future.
3: So you find yourself busier now?
4: Yes, yeah, yeah without a doubt.
3: Because I feel like, you know, with my kids, we're getting so much communication from, from our, the, the schools and the school districts. Like, I almost feel like those people have more work to do than they have ever had to do before the teachers and the teachers too, because they're doing like video conferences and then recording YouTube videos or whatever. And then, you know um, what's in some kind of app. I mean, it's just it's just work for all of us. <laughs> That's all I have to say. My wife, yeah. you know, I try to help a little bit, but
4: um, no, I think it's true. I think schools, like you know, we talk a lot about you know you got to meet you got to meet parent expectations when you're communicating from from school to home. And it's funny, I feel like the rules that we sort of had in place, and I use that term in, you know loosely um, prior to. Um, schools closing, I mean, we're talking about two different sets of rules, because you were kind of mindful of the fact that, you know, parents are working all day, you know, if you're traditionally working nine to five, so by the time you get home, you're running around. And if you get time to sit down at the end of the night, that might be the time to consume certain things. So let's not bombard with hundreds and hundreds of messages throughout the course of the day, if you really only need to kind of like get a few of them across, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of be, you know, be, be, you know, be pointed in your communication. And now, with everybody home uh, the flow has sort of changed a little bit and we've been trying to be mindful of the fact that you know as much as we thought and 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 they were parents were incredibly busy before the virus hit life looks a lot different now so you really need to be careful about the ones that are going home this needs to be what they need to see not like oh hey did you catch the upcoming you know I, you know this is happening here or this you know this class did this and it's like maybe we we kind of parked those those outside, you know, uh, messages and really just kind of zero in on what needs to be done um, and what needs to be communicated.
2: Now, I, I won't cast judgment on who's the Jordan and the Pippin in this relationship. But Michelle, I don't want to go much further without potentially bringing the Michael Jordan of podcast for creating. <laughs> on. What, what do you do and and help us understand the synergies with you and Steve, but I know you do. Um, I won't say vastly different, but certainly different, different things.
0: Yeah, I mean, the creative is really, I would say, creative and social, I think, is where we overlap, but I'm one of those people who, some people may think I have no job, and some people would say I have like 10 jobs. Um, uh, my background is in graphic design, that's what I went to school for, and I started my career um, like as an art director for a magazine, and... In a similar time that we're in now, I got let go from that job around 2008-ish and uh, went off on my own. I started an Etsy shop um, selling wedding invitations and other things designed for the home and from there built a blog that went along with it and a brand around it and um, now I still have those running, but now a lot of what I do is teaching other creatives on how to build online brands in in a similar way. And aside from that day to day, I get to play a lot, writing a book right now, doing the podcast, speaking, and it's a lot of fun. It's the best job ever. Best jobs That's ever. Awesome.
1: Now, Michelle, awesome. how did you evaluate that leap when you made it? Obviously, it seems like your your hand was a little bit forced. But in retrospect, looking back, I think there's a lot of people within our industries that are either you know, coming out of an agency, coming out of a big corporate company who want to work for themselves. There's obviously pitfalls on both sides, but it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on that, maybe some of the positives and negatives since you've made the leap.
0: Sure. It was definitely more of a push than a leap. <laughs> I don't have that type of personality. I don't think that would, especially at that time, that I would have ever dreamed of doing that on my own. Um, so it's definitely out of necessity. And you know i don't i you know I kind of glossed over this, but it in those first few years, it sucked because i my husband and I had just got married, we just bought our first house, we had a mortgage, and it was really stressful um to not to be looking for a job and everyone saying seeing all of these other people getting fired and knowing that no one was really hiring so what I kind of started building was on the side, but in the meantime, on the other side of this, which is something I don't really talk about a lot is I was freelancing. So freelancing locally, I lived in Connecticut at the time. Um, but then also driving back to the New York area, like where I grew up and, um, freelancing for my first job. And I remember like those drives were were the worst. It was like an hour and a half drive and I was like staying at my parents' house a couple nights a week. So like basically I did what I had to do to keep generating income and I kept doing it until my business had, you know, was to a point where I didn't need to do that anymore.
1: Would you change anything about what you did in those first few years or making uh that change in, in careers and going the direction you did? It seems like you're pretty happy at what you're doing now and how things oh. have turned out.
0: I'm thrilled with how things turned out. Um, It's so hard for me to say if I would do something differently because I feel like that was such a long time ago. And I always say that people now are at such an advantage. I mean, like at the time, email marketing, I guess, was a thing, but not to the point where it is now. Um, I feel like that's kind of as soon as I harnessed that skill, I feel like that's when things really started to take off for me. Um, But yeah, like things like. You know, Pinterest, all these things that help grow my business were not there in those first couple of years. And I know that there were growing pains on my end um, that also contributed to the slow growth. And I'm just kind of like a slow person in general. But yeah, I, I guess the, the my only advice is like you have to get in there and just start doing it if you want to see a results.
3: What was uh, your big break? You know, like, what was your moment? In, like, I can do this. You know, like, I, I started my own business. And once I start, I mean, as well as working full time. Um, and once, you know, I ESPN was like my first big client that I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. What was what was that moment for you?
0: I don't feel like I had one. I feel like it was a really, really slow build. Yeah. Um, Maybe if I had to say anything, I don't know that this was a big turning point as in like I started making a whole lot more money or I had more clients or anything like that. But when we moved from Connecticut to Florida in uh, 2013, at that point I was only doing, um, custom wedding invitations. And that's when we moved here is when I opened up my Etsy shop. So I was kind of like forced to abandon all of my like word of mouth recommendations and was like, I, this is like online only. I'm not working with people in person anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of like opened up my eyes to, okay, I can build this business without knowing anyone. Like I don't need recommendations because The people of the internet want what you know what I have to offer. So people of the internet. Oh, come by. (laughs) That (laughs) was a cool revelation. There's the open
2: right there. It only took 17 minutes. (laughs) So I I think what we're most excited about is the five of us are are all creatives in, in many different ways, but I wanted to just talk amongst us about, you know, what are those cues? What are those things that we all see or know or just intrinsically feel to know the idea is good enough to pursue? I mean, you know, Steve, what do you what do you look for? What do you tell the teams um, that report into you or show work to you and say, yeah, this is it, um, you know, go
4: after this or, or keep working towards this? Or how do you know? Uh, it, a lot of times it's just it's a feeling. Um You know, I also noticed that there's usually a um, there's a rhythm and it's a it's a quick rhythm to the work. Like there's there's idea sharing and we arrive at a concept pretty quickly um, with where we want to go. Like we all know the 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 charge, like, you know, the kind of piece that we want to create, for instance, we just got done. um, We just put out um, a so the best way to describe it is, is that in our region, um, our our organization um, supports 24 individual school districts, and in the last eight nine weeks or so since the pandemic hit, uh, all of those 24 districts have been working together to make decisions um, to um, come to you know come to conclusions on 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 certain things that are going to affect education around the region. But it goes beyond that, um, coming up with plans to distribute meals to students who are now home that would have gotten them. Uh, if they were coming to school, um, uh, plans on how to uh, distribute um, e-learning and distance learning um, resources. So the list kind of goes on. And what we wanted to do was talk about this this power of this these 24 districts and um, talk about how decisions have been made in that capacity, but do so in a, in, in, a, in a way that sort of drives home the emotion of the time period that we're in. And we knew that the charge and the task and where we wanted to go, but I think the um, the creative piece of it sort of kind of came quickly. Like, you know, we, we, we wrote the baseline of the script and in this video, we knew the images that we wanted. We've been working with all of these districts so we've seen a lot of the images that they've been sharing and a lot of it was just curation. But what it always came back to was, is that you knew the feeling that you wanted to have in this video, which was you wanted to take 24 individual districts that are in 24 different parts of the capital region up here in Albany uh, and make this entire region feel like one. And I think that was kind of the driving force behind everything that we did. And we knew that when um, when we saw the final piece or we saw the kind of pieces in motion, we were really getting that that community build piece. So a lot of times what we come back to is is just trying to hit on what feeling do we want to leave people with when they're consuming this content or when they're consuming this 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 campaign when it all kind of comes together and gels, and we're left with that feeling from the creative side, it almost seems like a perfect match. And then we definitely had that with this last piece that came out last week. Wow, That's Steve's the-
1: doing actually like important work compared to what we do, <laughs> like draw cartoons and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I want exactly. to ask you guys uh, off that um, in terms of your group, Steve, and you know, I always find it challenging to find the balance between a large group. That works as creatives and leadership and sort of driving the strategy and then smaller groups. Because I feel as the group gets larger and larger, it becomes more and more difficult to get focused on the specific creative and either answering the brief or coming up with an initial idea. Uh, but then you don't want to leave people out. So I'd be very curious from both you and, and Michelle on what your thoughts are on large groups, small groups, and how do you think it's most effective?
0: Well, I have a lot less experience in working with groups since I've been on my own for so long, but uh, I I prepared for this. I wrote some notes <laughs> earlier, and, and I feel like I actually I got really reflective about this topic, and I was thinking about... In all of the things that I've done and all of the the things that I do now, there are only two things that I have done with consistency um, in like the last three years. And both of those are things that I work on with other people it's the podcast and my Etsy shop, which is now um, my sister helps me run it. So I think it's not just from an accountability standpoint, I think that there is a power in in working and producing with, with other people. Um, definitely there's the energy component. I mean, I don't know if you guys have like had this thought, but here you are with this new podcast. Is this something that you think that any of you would have done individually on your own?
2: I'll tell you, I had, um, the moment between the first and the second episode where we were texting each other and Jonah was like, in the middle of an edit, Elliot was working on creative and I was looking to promote something. And I looked at my wife and I said, I have to tell you, if I did this alone, I don't, first of all, it wouldn't be as successful. I wouldn't have the passion, the energy, or just the feeling of like, we got to keep doing this. And just seeing those texts happening of like, what do you think about this? How about this? What's this look like? It's like, this is it. So no way. Um, And, and I think, each of us, and I say that to all five of us, could do this solo. But the fact that it's the two of you together and the three of us together—like there's something about just feeding off one another.
3: So, in terms of like,
2: as a as a
3: creative that works, you know, mostly on her on her own. You know, when I was working on my own business, like I I, I found it hard. I, I did work with you know other creatives that. I I showed work to other creatives and got their opinions and whatnot. And obviously the clients too. But like, what's your process? Like, who do you share stuff with? You know, how do you get the feedback that you need besides just the client? You know, because I feel like that's the one thing. If I was going to do the business on my own and I just did it, you know, myself, I would struggle with that. You know, and it was one of the things like I always wanted to have advocates that I could show the work to. And I built that up with, you know, certain um, connections and whatnot. And actually, Jonah was probably one of them because he kind of let me run and do my thing when he was at the Knicks. But, yeah, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that.
0: So I have uh, two girls that I've been in. We call it our, our mastermind group. And we've been meeting online over, you know, Skype or whatever for... Maybe like six years at this point, point. and we've been really consistent about it. And it's what's funny is we're all from New York, and we all moved to Florida around the same time. And we all live in different parts of Florida, but we still we we do see each other in person occasionally. But it's still all over Skype. But anyway, they, I depends on them a lot for feedback and ideas, and uh, depend on Steve a lot too. I would say that he's the other person who I run ideas by. Um, certainly whenever anything new comes up he's like the first person to hear about it so but that that's one of the things that I was thinking about is that I feel like when we're when I'm when Steve and I are working together that it's not so much about like we're creating stuff for our audience but I think that there is a level where we're also creating things for each other and I think that like the best partnerships and collaborations are ones where I think the, the teammates are trying to like impress each other
4: hmm yeah That's right. I, I can I, I can say too like right after we did our podcast with with you guys the last time michelle came up with this this layout for some of the the i mean all the stuff that you guys were, were tagged in sorry about all of that um <laughs> no, <laughs> no, all no the stuff that you guys got tagged in along the way and you know, she had, I think texted me the night before she had everything ready and she was just like, I cannot wait to show you this. And it was like, when we saw, when I saw it, it was like, man, I don't care if anybody. And I mean, I, I do, cause it was a great episode, but I don't care if no one listens to this episode, it was worth it just to have like this new element to the way we were kind of rolling content out. And, and it's just, it, it was great. And I, I mean, like, I think that's the feeling, like when you're excited to share something with someone who you trust, like, you know, you know, you're going to get honest feedback, but you also know that, I mean, that's a person that you just rely on. And for me, it's, it's Michelle, like, you know, when, when we had that, that, that 24 United piece that I was talking about before, like I couldn't wait to share that with her before, like, even it went out, just, I wanted eyes on it. You wanted that, that, that trusted eye, but, um, I get that like that level of excitement when we have something or when I'm working on something that, you know, is like, this has a chance to be great. Um, yeah, there's a small group of people that I, I feel comfortable enough sharing in because a you trust them, but B you also know that they're going to be honest with you. Um, and and what else could you ask for?
1: That's funny because like that's a, how Elliot and I really worked at the Knicks. Mm. He's, you know, it's hard for me to really detail what I want to see at the finished line or the finished product. It's almost like an evolution. And so like as we go and Elliot and I would work on a project, we'd be like, oh, you should do this. Oh, I see this. I This is a great element. We should add on to this. And you're talking about that energy that you build onto it in the the excitement, but it's almost like we're a little bit too similar in the sense that we can't see that finished product yet. We have to work, work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually the end product is really good and something we're really proud of. And it's, it's, it's so fascinating because the creative process, there really isn't a right or wrong. It's all subjective. So you're one person might think it's great. And another person might think it's garbage and trying to find that happy medium is, is sometimes difficult. And I find that coming over from the agency where I have less control um, over the content where when I was at the Knicks and the Timberwolves, it was kind of my show and I got, I got to run with it. So um, I've had to really learn a lot on how to work in larger groups and to take feedback and not get uh, personally hurt or, or feel that impact by it. Um, so I think that's part of the creative process as as we talk about is there's so many elements to it. And I think it's diff- it's difficult because it's subjective and one person might like it, one person might not.
4: I thought this was a Michelle was going to talk about how I don't like anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I was going to say that, Steve talked about kind of like having that level of respect. And I think that when you're working with people who you respect, it's a lot easier to get that feedback because you trust their opinion and you're not going to take it as a personal attack.
4: Yeah, but you know what? Like with the podcast, though, like when we started the idea for this, like I knew where I I knew where I sucked. Like I I knew where (laughs) I I wasn't good. And where did you suck? Tell us. (laughs) (laughs) That stays between me and no, um, <laughs> but I knew there was an element of like, you know, uh, you know, if, 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 and I don't edit the audio for it, but I knew when we were kind of game planning it, like if editing audio is something that was going to come to me, like I could do that. If I was creating, um, if I was just strictly social content creation off of the episode, like I can do that. But I knew the design element and everything that Michelle brings, um, to the table was something that, you know, you're self-aware, like, you know, what you're good at and what you're not good at. And and if we can leverage our strengths, like we have a chance to make something really good, um, which I also think is, is one of the reasons why I enjoy sharing stuff that I've created with her is because there might be something that I'm missing that she catches and goes, you know, would be cool. And it's just something I wasn't thinking of. So
3: I just want to say, yeah, I love your eyes design. Like, I really I love the logo. I love, you know, it, it gave me inspiration. Never. I mean, mine is a lot messier, but uh, no,
0: it's but... your style. Though I could, I could tell immediately. Like after you guys were on our show, and I went and like looked at some of your work. As soon as I saw the logo for the podcast, I was like, "Oh, he did this! It's awesome! <laughs> this is like this is like this is your style. It's very distinct."
4: Thank
3: you. Thank you. No, no. but Distinct. I love it. Distinct. <laughs> or distinctive. Now
1: I can yeah. see the ego growing and growing and
3: growing. <laughs> You're so good with words, Michelle. <laughs> uh, I wasn't trying to bring it back to me. Um, no. <laughs> I was saying that I was inspired. That's all. Okay.
2: Good. Good. No, I'm glad. No, it's true. It was. It was cool to see the behind the scenes of that a little bit because – the three of us had been sharing those posts, not only because we were in them, but we were like, "This is the kind of stuff we need to, you know, give some thought to." So, um, it certainly caught our attention, and not just because it was in our mentions.
1: That's well, why not, you're our like, first guest. It looks like it's also an evolution, right? I mean, it's not a finished product; it's something that can continue to grow and build and, and and improve. Sometimes, you know, I think there's two different types of people: like somebody who wants to get something right and and feels like it has to be landed before they can jump and leap into that project or complete it and my personality is more of like evolving with it and and not being bogged down by sometimes uh the perfection right that you have to get it right it's that it can grow and it can evolve and and you learn as you go and sometimes it's it's good to have both of those. And I think, um, you know, the three of us and our team at our agency, even in our group is is really good at kind of having a lot of balance on it. And it's it's rare to see that.
0: Oh, that That's definitely something that I've had to work towards is like letting go of that perfectionist tendency. Because I think for a long time, I was like, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not perfect at everything. And I'm like, no, that's, that's the point. This is your problem. But I was thinking about projects that I've worked on over the years and considering like, I feel like I I am pretty good at creating work quickly, but I very rarely put it out quickly. And I was thinking about that space between it being decent and ready to go out and what I consider to be nothing's ever perfect, but in a more perfect state is really just ego bolstering it at, at that point, because like, it's not going to make the audience enjoy it anymore. It's just going to make me feel better about myself, which is kind of like a selfish way to create content, I think.
2: Yeah, I know. I know we often say, you know, if I just had more time with this, and and I always wonder, is it real? Or or is it just that we're our own worst critics? And, and I always have a tough time reconciling that. And maybe it's project by project. We typically always kind of say that every after something's been pushed out, yeah, love it, but if we just had more time with it.
3: I mean, I think I, I what I like about with the three of us is, you know, certain projects We'll want to do more with it, but like the elements of it, I feel like, okay, we we finish it, you know what I mean? And then we're like, oh, but let's make it a 3D gallery and whatever. We want to just keep on going with it and push it further and further and further. I do feel like there's a, there's a satisfaction. I think that that's kind of what, you know, started with, with Jonah and I when he, when he was with the Knicks was like, we felt like, okay, this piece worked and we, and it took us a while sometimes to get this stuff done, but we also have to churn stuff out within days. I think you kind of build that up, how to just be like, okay, how do I balance this? with like wanting to be a perfectionist and, and staying up till three in the morning to try to get it done and also like getting it done in, in, a, in a quick way where you still feel satisfied.
2: Yeah, I mean, Steve, how do you how do you reconcile that? I mean, in, in the space of digital and social and video and the work can perpetually never really be done. We could always make edits and we can take something down and we can put a new cut up or we can delete a post and put something new up. I mean, how do you reconcile when enough is enough. I know timing and deadlines often dictate that, but how do you, do you find that you grapple with that?
4: Uh, Yeah. I, I, you know, for me, for, for our team, for our digital team, when we're working for, on behalf of districts, you know, we try to really get to know what the district stands for because as we're creating the content, if everything that we're creating come ladder back to what they believe in and what they stand for and what makes their school, their school, um, you know, when we're putting the campaign together, um, some things are going to hit and some things aren't. But I always feel like you should get a feel for what this school district believes in, what it stands for, when you're when you're consuming this piece of content. So I do know that you know there are times where you like you look at something and you go, oh man, if we only did this, if we only did that, you know, from a creative standpoint. But if the feeling that you're left with makes you go, yeah, that's that's a, that's a XYZ Central School District piece because I recognize this or I feel that. And, and, you know, like there's that's where I say, like, it's a feeling versus the actual execution versus, the, you know, a, a, with the creative. It's 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 always been two different things for me.
1: Is it, in yeah. terms of inspiration, I, I'd like to ask you guys about that. Like, where do you guys draw your inspiration from a creative standpoint, whether it's, you know, watching a TV show, whether it's following an account on social or, or is it just, you know, going outside and living in the world, which we can't do right now. But <laughs> if we could, uh, that'd be nice. You know, I always found like I was pleasantly surprised that when I started traveling internationally, it kind of opened up some creative ideas and thoughts and just getting some space and and not working actually opened up some thoughts and and ideas that I had that I never would have thought that would have done it which is basically saying Keith I need more vacation time but um <laughs> you know I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on on where you draw inspiration and what uh w- what's out there that you think is really you know a good piece that people could look at right now and say hey that's that's something I can uh, take some inspiration from?
0: I feel like I'm a hyper-inspired person. <laughs> like I am inspired by everything and I feel like it's just kind of like growing by the day. Um, I don't really feel like I have a source that I go to, but I feel like I'll watch a TV show or, or a movie or hear a song and it it sparks an idea or it gives me a feeling that I feel like I want to harness and somehow want to like remix and put back out into the world in a different way um but i guess if i had to pick one i would say I'm like tv i'm a big tv <laughs> watcher nah. for sure
3: what's that uh mary poppins uh poster behind you
1: what's the meaning of that
0: i just love mary poppins the movie <laughs> and i now like all I,
1: listeners out there we should probably explain what they can't see Oh, yeah, I have Elliot. I
0: have in my background said, a, a Mary Poppins, a, a Mary Poppins poster. poster. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies, and I love um I really love like and everything from that time era, and I love musicals, and that kind of hits both those marks.
2: Nice, nice, Elliot. What is the disheveled blanket behind <laughs> you? <laughs> think? What is that? What's the meaning there? Who's staying on his college friend's <laughs> couch? Are you are you okay? Are you sleeping on the couch? Is How's okay? your dorm you your man? Out? My wife is
1: forty year old in a dorm room. on our
2: couch. <laughs> um, that's how I, I work
3: in many different rooms in my house. So this is like <laughs> our, including our the bathroom, bedroom. <laughs> so when I'm cold, I put the blanket on my legs when I'm on, because <laughs> I
0: like to wear Very shorts. Very manly.
1: That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening to the We Need to Be Doing That podcast. Visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information.